A few weeks ago, we began this series that we titled Let God. And over the weeks, we've been discovering how God's power wants to be on us, wants to be part of our lives. We, we discovered the first week of the ability of God to know everything, His omniscience. We uh, discovered last week that God has the ability to be present everywhere. And we call that omnipresence. Today, we are going to talk about His power. One day, a logger foreman was selling a chainsaw. And when he was selling the chainsaw, this farmer came interested to find the chainsaw. And when he came to the foreman, he liked it, looked in good condition. And the foreman said, you know, this chainsaw is so good that you can cut 50 trees in one day. The farmer got excited, bought the chainsaw, and took it to his farm. A few days later, this farmer came back. But he didn't come back with the excitement that he originally had. Now he came back a little bit angry. And he came to the foreman and said, you know what? I'm here because I don't want this chainsaw anymore. I think it's defective. You guarantee that it was going to help me cut 50 trees a day. But I was only able to cut three. The foreman said, let me see. He grabbed the chainsaw, pulled the cord, and right there, the chainsaw went bzzz. Now a surprised farmer says, what is that? You guys are slow today. <laughs> oftentimes, oftentimes, oh, 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 oh. Took a while to drop that. Oftentimes, we seek the power, but we can't find it. We live in a time where of energy drinks and power cords for our devices, but we still go to bed tired with nothing accomplished. My guess is that we're searching for power. In the wrong place. Get your notes out. Let's go to the Bible. Those notes that you receive with your bulletin. If not, you can open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17. Jeremiah 32 17. Ah, Lord God, says Jeremiah, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your what? Are you breathing this morning? By your what? great power not just power but great power and a stretched arm there is nothing too hard for you this is why we called the ability of God to do everything omnipotence because there is nothing nothing that God cannot do and, and yes I've heard that can God make a rock so big that he can lift but guess what he can But God never does anything that makes no sense. Everything that God does makes sense. Let me explain this to you. You read the story of creation, correct? 
at least once every year when you read the first day of the year, you said, this year I'm going to read the Bible and that's all you read? Yeah, I know you read that at least once. And, and uh, God says that he made, the first thing that he did was what? Is, is this my church? I, I don't know. What's the first thing he made? Light. Light. He made light. And then after light, he made the dry. And then after the dry, he made the what? The plants. And after the plants, he made the birds. Now, I, I, I thought about it for a second one day and I said, look, what if God made the birds first? But the birds need the plants. Not just to live, but also to eat. But the plants need to dry. And the plants need the light. Are you with me? God made everything with a purpose, with a reason, in the proper order. Because God makes everything. He has the ability to do everything. But everything that God does has a reason, has a purpose. Has a make sense. That's why at the end of creation he said, and he saw everything that he made and it was good. Now you're awake. Good. Ephesians 1.20 says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now Jesus' family is the maximum display of God's power. Jesus had the power over nature. You know that story. He was on the boat and it was, there was a storm and everybody on the boat was fearing for their life. Jesus stood up and said to the storm, quiet. Be still. Because Jesus has a power over nature. It's the power of God. Jesus demonstrated the power over illnesses. We could spend hours and hours talking about all the miracles that Jesus did for blind, for lame, for, for, for leopards, for all kinds of diseases. Jesus even had the power over death. Not only when he resurrected... But he demonstrated it at the, at the house of Jairus and at the, uh, and at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus demonstrated that power. But also has the power over the devil. It is interesting to read the Bible that every time that somebody was possessed by, by, by a demon, the demons asked Jesus permission. The story when, when, when the man was demon-possessed, living in the tombs, Jesus comes and these demons called legion ask Jesus permission to go into the pigs. Because even the devil has no authority. By himself, it's Jesus who is over him. Because it's Jesus, in Jesus, the greater demonstration of the power of God. Now... As Christians, why do we often feel so helpless? Why do we often feel discouraged? Why do we often feel so bad and, and downtrodden and, and, and all kinds of, of demoralizing attitudes when we have a God who has the power to do everything? So now the question that I have for you this morning is how is that power, that amazing, limitless power, 
be part of my life. The first thing that we need to understand is that there are two areas where we have a power shortage, where, where the power of God doesn't work. And, and the first power shortage that we have is getting started. Because all of us, all of us have had those moments when we want to start something. We have a dream, we have an idea, but it's so hard to take that first step, isn't it? I will do it, but just not yet. And for some reason, that is manifested more evidently with children. Do this, I will do it. But it happens to us too. It happens to us too. It happens to adults. It happens to everyone. Because it is so hard to start. That's why we have to get involved in challenges. That's why we have to, 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 do, to do things with other people. Because alone it's very difficult to do things. It's very difficult to start. Even if it's a great thing, we always postpone it. When are you going back to school? Well, I will. Next year, maybe. You know, it's funny because uh, people a lot at the beginning of the year, they sign up, they get memberships at the gym, but in February, everything is empty. Because we, we don't start. We have the idea, but we don't start. The fact is that life requires oftentimes skills, requires attitudes that we're not really ready to acquire because they're going to take us out of our comfort zone. And one of the things that we enjoy the most is comfort. We do. We like comfort. We like to be, to be comfortable. I guess that's why they invented uh, uh, the recliners. How do they call them? Lazy boys. Even that is a lazy boy. You know, we like those. We like those things. We like to be comfortable. And where do we put them? In front of the TV, right? And it's funny because we have lazy boys with cup holders, right? And pockets for the remote. We don't even want to get up to get the remote. We want it right there. I think the next one is going to have a, a place for the laptop, an internet connection. I don't know. Because we want it right there. We want it right there. And that's that attitude of being comfortable. It's not allowing us to get started. The second power shortage that we, that we experience is not when we get started, is to keep going. To keep going. We give up too easy. I was reading the other day, and I don't know how it popped, I don't know what kind of articles I was looking for, but I read that a homemaker, you know what a homemaker is, right? Walks 1,037 miles per year. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and we say that people who stay at home don't work. But let me ask you, those of you who are homemakers, at the end of the day, do you feel like you got anywhere? Oftentimes, we are so busy, we, 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 we our schedule is packed, our calendar, you know, we can't squeeze any more things. And, and we rush in the traffic and, and we go from here to there, but we get home and we felt that we didn't accomplish anything. We are super busy, but nothing really gets done. 
It's like wash, washing dishes. You know, you wash them before a meal, and then after a meal, there's another dish, and then you come back, and there's dishes. Like, I, I think, I, I sincerely believe that one of my kids hides in the kitchen when all the dishes are washed and brings another one that's dirty. I sincerely believe that. There's always dirty dishes, even after I wash them. And I make sure, when, when, when the kids are at home, I mean at school, and, and Paola is gone, and I'm home at, at, I'm alone at home. I'm home alone. That's where I was going. When I'm home alone, I wash all the dishes to make sure. I leave the house, I come back, and there's a dirty dish. Where does that come from? But in our lives, things happen like that. Because we get discouraged easily. Things don't go as well. And I told you once that oftentimes we get discouraged because we compare our beginnings with somebody else's ending. So never forget that. That one of our problems is that when we get started, it's going to be difficult to keep on going. It is. And that is when we suffer the, the, the shortage of power. Even God knew that we needed to recharge. That's why he made the seventh day. And it's interesting because he says that after God completed the creation, he what? He rested. But see, God didn't need it to rest. God didn't need to rest. God does not need to rest. But he made it for us. Because he knew what we needed was to recharge our batteries, to recharge our energy. I just saw a commercial recently um, that there's people walking around and there's like a battery meter, like your phone. You know, you know that, right? When it reaches 30, you panic, 30%. What? 30%? You know, you start looking for places. You know, and I, I guess that would be awesome if we had the battery thing, the indicator, how, how much energy we have left. And I bet you that most of us, every day, we would wake up at 10%. Let's be honest. How many of you wake up tired? Right? 10%. 10%. It doesn't matter how much you sleep. 10%. So God knew that we needed extra power. God knew that we needed to recharge our energy reserves. Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who what? Wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This waiting is not just sit around and wait for God to do something. This wait has a relationship to somebody who is actively expecting a result. In the Hebrew, it's something like this. There's a blacksmith that has raw materials. And you know how the blacksmith grabs the metal and puts it into, into the fire. Puts it into the fire. But when he puts it into the fire, doesn't mean that whatever he's making is already done. He takes it out of the fire and puts it into water to make it hard. And then takes it out of the water and puts it into the fire again. But even after those couple of processes, it's not done. 
He takes it out of the fire and puts it on the anvil. And what, what happens on the anvil? He hammers it. He hammers it. And he hammers it. And oftentimes goes back into the fire, back into the water, back into the fire, back on the anvil. Why? Because along each process, that raw material, it's getting closer and closer and closer to what the blacksmith is intended to make. God is working on us every step of our life. Every decision that we make, every step that we take, and every step is part of the process. So see, at the end of the process, the blacksmith waited all the time as he was making his creation. We are watching the creator making his masterpiece on us every single day. And when I wait on him as he works on me and I trust in his fire and his hammering and his polishing and his varnishing and his everything, part of the process, I know that at the end I will be what he intended for me to be from the beginning. You realize that it doesn't happen automatically. You realize that there is a process. That is our problem. That is our problem. That we don't like to wait. We don't. We don't like to wait. How many of you enjoy slow computers? None of us. How many of you enjoy only one bar on your cell phone? None of us. None of us. How many of you enjoy the traffic on the 605? None of us. We don't like to go slow. We like to go fast. But family, family, life is not a sprint. Life is a long process. And guess what? It takes a lifetime. But even when we get tired, the promise is that God will give us the strength. And this is how, family, we receive the strength, the power that God has promised to give us. And the first step that we need to take is to admit my lack of power. Admit my lack of power. Since we've been honest with each other, I have to tell you, all of us believe at one point in our lives that we are omnipotent that we don't need help I got it I got it I, I know what to do don't tell me I know I know I know I know you don't know that's what I'm telling you I know I know I know I know right because all of us at one point in our life we thought that we were omnipotent that we can do it without help and God is just looking at us okay there you go go and the result, the result is stress, is frustration, is anger. Thank you for the happy birthday, kids, for the happy birthday songs. Thank you. And I thank every one of you who, who send me messages and, and call me and send me GIFs 
and all those little things. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. But I'm getting to that point in my life that my body is reminding me constantly how old I am. There is something that we call, I don't know who invented this term, but hit it right on the nail. Well, I hope it's right on the nail. Midlife crisis. First, we have to understand the word crisis. Crisis is face, facing an event, something that we don't like. That's a crisis. Midlife, because it's supposed to hit you at the, in the middle of your life. Some others, I, I, that's why I said I hope is the middle of my life. But see, this is what dawned on me this week. There are times that I wake up in the morning and my knee reminds me, hey, you can't do that anymore. No, no. There's other times that my shoulder tells me, ah, ah, no, no, no. You can't just go and swing at it. No. You have to warm up. And even if I'm able to move my knee and swing my shoulder, the next day I'm reminded, see, I told you, you can't do that anymore. You see? I think the midlife crisis is our body telling us, you're in a crisis. You can't do this anymore. I know you don't want to hear it, but you can't do this anymore like you used to. And this is what happens. We have this crisis, crises, crisis, well, you figure it out. All the time. Not just with our body, not just when we're in the midlife, all the time. And when we don't like what we're facing, when we don't like the situation, we just said, forget it. I give up. Or we look around somewhere else and try to cover for that, but that issue still is still there. It's not going to go away until I accept that I have limits, until I accept that I don't have the power to do it. But you know, now I can do things that when I was young, I couldn't do. Now I know things that when I was young, I couldn't do. I play volleyball still. And when I play, where I play, I play against younger kids taller, they jump higher, they're more athletic, but they don't know what I know. <laughs> and I just laugh at them because I still beat them. Not because my midlife crisis, but because I've been there before. I have the experience. I have the knowledge. And you see, when we face these situations, God is telling us, you know what? I've been there before. I know. I know what you need. I, I know what you're going through. I have the answer here. And as long as I'm saying, no, no, I'm okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Not that I have teenagers or anything. But as long as I'm saying that, I'm not allowing God's power to be part of my life. So the first step that I need to take to allow God's power to be part of my life is to admit that I just Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient to you, for my strength is made perfect in what? In strength? 
in weakness. So see, as long as I don't acknowledge that I am weak, that I cannot do it, God is not going to be in my life. I need to accept that I can't. I need to accept that I have a weakness. I need to accept that I need His power. In verse 10 says, therefore, you know, this is a, I told you. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, says Paul, then I am strong. Was it his own power? No, because now the power of God was working in him. So the formula is simple. When I am weak, when I accept that I'm weak, when I accept that I don't have it together, when I accept that I can't do it on my own, then what comes into my life is the power of God. But as long as I don't claim that, as long as I keep saying that I can't do it on my own, God's power can never be part of my life and I'm going to be in that midlife crisis permanently. The second step that I need to take to enjoy God's power in my life is believe in faith. This is the key to personal power. Mark 9, 13 tells the story of a blind man. And this blind man was begging, was begging on the street, was begging. And he heard that Jesus was somewhere around. And he began to scream, Son of David, Son of David, Son of David. But see, blind people had only one responsibility, one job in those days. Was to beg in the corner and quietly. But this man is yelling for Jesus. So Jesus hears about this man and he comes. And verse 23 says, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Then he touched this man's eyes. He touched them. And Jesus said, According to your faith, let it be done. According to your faith. Do you believe? The answer was not going to be a verbal thing. The answer was going to be a real thing. If you can see, it's because you believe. So this man now had to, op had to open his eyes. And the Bible tells us, family, you know the story, you know the ending. The Bible tells us that this man was able to see perfectly. Now, God meets us at the level of our expectations. When you, you might be praying for something, but if your expectations, if your faith is 50-50, well, well, think about it this way. If this man, this blind man, had, had a 50-50 faith, maybe he was only able to see from one eye. Because God meets us at the level of our expectations. Faith is the measure of how much we want God's power to work in my life. There is not a request so big that God cannot handle. There is not a plea so heavy that God cannot lift nor a burden that God cannot remove. The issue lies on us. How much I want God to do in my life. The 
third thing, the third step, is that we have to speak in faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I... Are you reading it with me? I believe and therefore I spoke. See, many of us believe. We say, yeah, yeah, I believe, but we never say it. We never say it. We never share it because we can only say, we can only share what we have. When we believe, we live, we act, we speak as if we already have it. According to your faith. Remember the blind man? It is absolutely essential to verbalize your faith. I am a person who thinks that I do not have a blind faith. I don't. Maybe it is my computer background. I need to have a proof. I need to have my program compiled before I run it. I don't know. But that doesn't mean my faith is mute. Are you breathing this morning? If I believe on something, that means that I talk about it. Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. Uh, Henry make a reference, made a reference to the baseball players during the World Series. There's interviews before the game and after the game. And some of those players are interviewed before the game and they're asked, they, they, they ask this question. Do you think you can beat the other team? If I'm a player in one of these teams, if I'm a professional, if I'm somebody with talent, with abilities, there's a reason why I'm playing this game in the World Series before the World Stage. I'm going to say, of course I can. This is what I have to do, but I know I can. Can you imagine a pitcher saying, can, you think you can beat this team? Well, you know, I really doubt it. And I've been thinking about it all week since last time I pitched. And, uh, these guys are good. I, I don't think. Uh, uh, no. They're just going to hit like five home runs in the first inning. No, no. Because when you believe something, you speak it. You say it. So now we have an idea why oftentimes what we believe, what we pray for, never happens. Because we really don't think that is going to happen. God gives in the measure of our resources lack. And let me explain this. When we pray for something, but it's something that we already have, God is not going to give me that again. I went to do a visit one time. It was not a member of this church yet. It was a member from another church, and, and, and they had issue with money. They had issues. They didn't have money, and I went to pay them a visit and, and, and take them a little help. When, when I got through the door, this gentleman that was visiting was watching TV, which is fine, except that he was watching a channel on DirecTV. I have nothing against DirecTV when you have the money to pay for it. When, when you're asking people, are you with me? And right next to him, the phone rang and he had the newest iPhone. 
So I'm thinking, huh. The issue here is not money. The issue here is where the money is going. God is not going to bless more than the resources that he already gives us unless we already went through all our resources. Are you with me? God's power begins where our abilities end. God's blessings come where the blessings that he already gave us are done. Not before. Oftentimes we're praying for things and God is saying, you have it right there. You can do it. We pray for the church. We pray for the school. But the resources oftentimes are there already. We're just looking in the wrong place. We're just asking for the wrong thing. We're hoping for a thing that should not happen. Because we're missing the whole thing. And we claim, God, you have the power. Yes, I do, God says, but you already have it. And that's why we need the last step. To act in faith. In Joshua 3.17, you have it right there in your notes. God had told Joshua that the land was before them. And as they going to conquer in the land, they had one little obstacle. The river. Remember, this is the whole nation of Israel. And they look at the river and they look at each other and say, well, Joshua, it's, the land looks beautiful from here except one little problem. We don't know how to swim. We don't have boats. Joshua goes in the tent. He begins to pray. And God tells him, as you step in the river, I will stop the river. Not before. Not after. As you step in the river, I will stop the river. And Joshua says, okay, guys, this is the plan. Get in line. Priest, Levites, get the ark. You're going first. I guess that was the day where the Levites didn't want to carry the ark. So they grab the ark from the poles and they begin to walk. First step. Water is up to their ankles. Second step, water is up to their knees. And they're looking at Joshua like... When they take the next step, the water... The water stops. Now there's dry land. Now they can walk. But they have to take the first step. Family. We could say that we believe. We could say that we trust God. We could say that He can do it. But if we don't take the first step, God is never going to stop the water. God is not going to do His part. We have to believe. We have to say it. And we have to do it. But only when we have acknowledged that the only one who can is Him. That means that I have to follow His plan. That means that I have to follow what He has in store for me. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, 
John and Peter are walking on the street and they when they get to the street near the temple where they were going there is a lame man and he's been there for many years everybody knows him he's a lame man that is always by the door when Peter and John walk in front of him this lame man says please give me money Peter and John look at him and they look at each other and they say to this man you know we don't have silver we don't have gold but what we have we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ get up Peter takes him by the right hand picks him up and as his joints were getting stronger as, as his muscles got used to standing up this man stood up and this is amazing because verse 6 and 7 say that when this man stood up, he began to jump and leap and praised God. You know the little song. Jumping and leaping and praising God. Because he believed and because he took that step. Can you imagine if Peter tells him, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up. Well, thank you. I really like Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But I'm really comfortable here. No, he stood up. He actually got up. He believed and he took that step. Family, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. Maybe you think your marriage is in the pits. And if that's what you, all you say, my marriage is in the pits, guess how it's going to be? In the pits. Maybe you're saying, my kids are, are horrible. They're, they're bad children. And every time you talk to them, you tell them, you're a bad child. Guess how your child is going to be? A bad child. Maybe you're thinking, my boss is a horrible boss. He's terrible. He's, he's a, the worst human being in the world. But I don't know. Maybe that person, maybe that individual that you don't like at all, that you don't think is lovable, that you don't think is patient enough, how about you trying to be patient with that person? How about you trying to love that person? How about you trying that disrespectful person with respect? Just watch what happens. Because see, what we speak of, what we believe, is what we live. And what God wants us to live, it's a powerful life. A life full with His power. When I accept that He's the only one who can. When I believe it, when I speak it, and when I, when I act. And it is His will that the things that we cannot see today will happen. Because my God, my God is waiting, waiting for me to let Him work in me. So my prayer for you today is that we let God use His power in us. Use His power in our families. Use His power in our school. Use His power in our church. Use His power in everywhere that we work in our office, in our factory, on the freeway. Whatever you work, God's power is readily available to you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are the power that is available to us. And as our Father, you look upon us waiting on us to accept that in order for us to learn to walk, we need to 
be held by the hand of the Father. Father, we pray today that the things that we don't understand, that the things that we don't see today, you can make them a reality. And gave us the, the ability to see your direction so that we can take the first step towards your plan. For those who are struggling in their families, for those who are struggling with their children, for those who are struggling in their jobs, for those who are suffering today, give them your power, Lord. For all of us today, I pray that we become humble enough to let you be our power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.